everybody. Welcome to the June 5th edition of Cascadian Views. I've got Dan and Chris with me here today, and we're enjoying that sunny summer weather. How are you guys? Good. We're doing good, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was up over 90 for a couple days this week down here in Portland. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, just the beginning of June. It's going to be a hot one. Yeah. You know what's also absolutely crazy? Coaching a witness in their testimony. How do you love that segue? <laughs> Completely natural. <laughs> Fucking nailed it. Uh, we have a, a new wrinkle in uh, the Matt Gate saga, which is slowly hurtling its way towards federal court. Um, and now it turns out he may be witness tampering in the case, or at least trying to get the uh, story straight with several of the women who have uh, alleged certain things against him. Uh, Dan, I'm I'm not you know, privy to a law degree like you are, but I understand that mm -hmm. that is big, not good. Yeah, no, that's uh, obstruction of justice. <laughs> so, that's good. Yeah. Uh, every week he finds some new way to get himself into trouble. He really does. Like, it's almost crazy how he does the exact opposite of what you should do in almost any situation. <laughs> I, I really cannot really understand that at all. And I don't know how much, like, you know, massaging of testimony is going to help the fact that the feds have receipts on this, man. The guy used Apple Pay to purchase prostitutes. Yeah. Literal receipts. He's kind of like, you know, a mini Trump, where, except Trump was actually the president of the United States and actually ha enjoyed, you know, certain qualified immunity and things like that where, you know, there was significant barriers to prosecuting him for crimes that, you know, he just doesn't enjoy. <laughs> so mm. <laughs> it's all about to come crashing down on his head any day now. So, yeah, I guess... Uh, popcorn time <laughs> any day now this should be really fun yeah and i feel like he's going to be flabbergasted when it happens too like he's going to be amazed that he will actually be charged with something and on trial yeah i mean i've, I've been owning the shit of these prosecutors on fox news for weeks how could this be <laughs> happening <laughs> uh part of this whole witness tampering investigation that they're doing the obstruction of justice uh revolves around him getting his ex-girlfriend to to press on these girls to change their story and that really kind of struck a tone with me because the whole the whole sordid affair really uh shows gates leaning on other people to do his like dirty work and a really unseemly sort of way and just makes me feel like he's exactly that type of person you know it really just fits in with the stereotype and all that uh but yeah he's just getting those around him to buy into his you know whatever delusions and help him try and retain some level of of aloofness from the crime i guess it's just it really meshes well with exactly what i've come to expect from matt gates just completely yeah. Uh, as kind of a bridge into one of our other topics, too, there is, uh, I guess, 
some talk in the Trump world of uh, him running against Gates for that congressional district, uh, which we'll talk about in in a few minutes here. In fact, maybe right now, unless there's more you want to talk about uh, with the Gates legal drama, Dan or Chris. Uh, I guess the aspect of it I'm just continually interested in is at what point do congressional Republicans actually disown him? <laughs> I, I hate to break it yeah. to you, Chris, but Matt Gates might have a decent chance at leadership if he ran. Seriously. They're not yeah. going to disown him. He's He's loyal, you know. Yeah. I mean, and that seat, you know, it's, I mean, that's a R plus 20 seat. You know, there's no chance of losing it to a Democrat. So why not? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I guess that would be a, you know, that would be, I guess, a decent switcheroo. I mean, if you were going to offer up a place for Trump to run, I mean, that would be perfectly safe. There's no chance of embarrassing himself there. So not like a swap. Like a primary challenge. Well, I mean, I think if if Trump were to go ahead and run, I think Gates would drop out rather than embarrass himself. Gates yeah. outran Trump, uh, Trump in his district. I don't know if that matters mm -hmm. to anybody, but yeah. Uh, the yeah, district right. includes quite a bit of military members, and Gates uh, performed better than Trump did among service members. No. no way would he be able to hold that off. No way. <laughs> I mean, I, I largely agree with you, but yeah, Gates outran <laughs> Trump in that district. And it was, yeah. it was mostly because Trump underperformed uh, with service members compared to 2016. <laughs> well, that's an interesting question, right? This is like, um, is, is the future... Trump as the cult of personality around Trump, or is the future Trumpism, which is you do outrageous things, you're never sorry for them, and the party is all in to back you. Hmm. <laughs> That's a really good Fair. distinction, Chris. And I, I think in the end, it's Trumpism, but you have to deal with the cult of personality now. And the one saving grace for Republicans, if you want to call it that, is Trump is not long for this world. I mean, he's he's reached the median yeah. age expectancy basically already. He's he's like seventy eight now. He's he's at the average lifespan, and you know, overweight dude almost died from the Rona. Uh, there's there's just a, a history of possible amphetamine use and whatnot. There, there's a lot counting against him. I'm, I'm not expecting him. To, kills you. Yeah, I'm really mm -hmm. not necessarily expecting him to to make it to two thousand twenty four. But Trump is almost over with. Yeah. But yeah, I think as long as the man is around, I think it's, he himself will still be a pretty strong focal point. But yeah, who knows how long that... Let's, uh, let's talk about... His dad antics. lived to 94. That is but, true. Yeah. yeah. His, yeah. Uh, his brother passed away while he was in office, I remember that. Yeah. All right. We'll uh, we'll talk about the man himself now, I guess, because there's been a, a rather strong flurry of, of Trump news this week. Uh, three different media sources confirming through three different people, not a shared source, that uh, 
Trump is telling people he's going to be reinstated this summer, possibly around August or the end of July. Thinks he just gets to waltz back into the White House after losing an election. So, I mean, this is based on what? The audits, right? He thinks the audits are going to... Yeah, he's seizing you know, on this. Find the fraud and, yeah, stop yeah. the steal somehow a year after the fact. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, just the fact that he's telling people this kind of makes it dangerous because when it comes and doesn't happen, all of a sudden you've got, you know, anger sure. <laughs> in, in a group of people who have been really wholesale brought into this cult of personality. I, it feels kind of like it's instigating another one six. Right. I mean, I, I guess the fortunate difference is this time you don't have a corrupt, you know, top of the government telling the national guard to stand down and let the very good people, <laughs> get in and stop the steal but yeah it's still very scary and it could lead to some very tragic outcomes but yeah guess what i keep thinking about and right i mean it seems like what i'm about to describe is impossible (laughs) we've discussed this a little bit on the website but it doesn't seem so impossible to me after the last few years that the republican legislature and governor in Arizona, for instance, used the audit to declare that Trump is still president. Yeah. Well, sure. But I mean, at that point, they're basically an insurrection against the United States, which seems seems like someone would back off before going that far, but... I mean, you'd think so, but... I made a couple jokes about it, but I've been spending a lot of time reading or really listening because it's through audible to the great courses uh and uh, several of them on like roman history and it was amazing to me just kind of the speed at which the republic fell into dictatorship all it took was one dude one dude it was sulla really Mm -hmm. who who showed that a dictatorship could try and then for the next or could could work at least briefly over the next hundred years, just anybody who had a chance to did the exact same shit. Yep. It was one guy who, who broke open the, the floodgates on that, really. And I, I, I fear, at a certain level, that Trump was the guy who opened the floodgates. The Republican Party now sees that yep. if you only put a bit more effort <laughs> into, into overthrowing everything, you don't need to win at the ballot box. You can win through violence. You can win through just, you know, shutting down the system and declaring yourself the victor. Mm-hmm. And it makes me fear that the lesson they took from that was, you know, exactly the, the lesson Pompey and Caesar and all that took from Sulla, that, you know, you just got to be a better dictator and then it'll all work. Yeah, control the right choke point. And well, frankly, be up against the right opponent, too. I mean, I think it, it would be one thing. I, I'm not, I'm less worried about 2024. I don't think they would have everything in place to steal things from a sitting president. You know, it could be a very different situation, though, in 2028. Yeah. 
when you know when things are more up for grabs you know when they may not be against you know whoever the democratic nominee is at that time they may not be as popular as biden is um they you know they may not have you know a citizenry that's ready to you know stand up against you know whatever kind of anti-democratic chicanery that they uh, come up with at that time you know you think of you know the 2000 election you think of the 2016 election where you know you have you know less so in 2000 but you know very much so in 2016 you know the person who clearly lost the popular vote and you know very narrowly won the electoral college is getting in and these very shady circumstances, you know, with, you know, interference from foreign powers. And we just go along with it, you know, partly because, you know, a lot of people just didn't like Hillary Clinton. And it was this situation where it was choosing between two people that, you know, a lot of the public was lukewarm on either way. But, yeah, I think that might be a situation where it's a lot more ripe for that kind of just outright theft of an election. Yeah, and I, I also feel like we're seeing that the they've learned that if you commit to the lie, it gets its own momentum. I mean, this is kind of what Brock was saying a minute ago, but the Republican Party on 1-6 was like, whoa, yeah, we made a mistake. We really may need to do something. I would say most state Republican parties at this point believe Trump won the election. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like they fully converted to That's that where their voters are. basically. Yeah. They they've kind of they they took stock. You know, they you know, they were very shocked initially, but you know, when they went and listened to <laughs> where the people they depend on for votes are, you know, that's the message they got. Is that if that you want to continue receiving support, I mean, that's that's where they are, and some of it is that's the propaganda that they've been fed, and that's the message they've received. But yeah, that's scary. But that's where they are. That's their activist base. That makes the rest of this conversation way weirder because it's not anywhere nearly as important um the other crazy shit out of trump world is that he closed his blog after 29 <laughs> days he's well yeah he's going out and about and he's finding other ways to communicate but yeah it was a dud nobody was reading it it had roughly the uh same number of visitors as the oklahoman newspaper uh website <laughs> within a couple thousand yeah yeah i mean without access to twitter he was really really emasculated i guess what is it uh, he's still he's banned from twitter still permanently basically uh, uh well they opened the door to him a little bit he, he's got to ask to be reevaluated in 2023 yeah. so they told him to come back in two years well i think it was facebook that said He's got a two-year ban, and they're going to reevaluate it based on whether or not they still consider it to be dangerous to allow him back on the platform. Mm -hmm. And 
I mean, I mean, that, Facebook's the really important one because that's the one where you know you're definitely going to have the widest reach. I mean, Twitter, I mean, that's where all the journalists are, but Facebook, that's where he's going to reach everybody's grandma. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he shouldn't be on any social media at all because you know that's where he spreads this stuff and that's where he radicalizes people and but, you know, that's where he organizes things like January sixth. There are social networks that would love to take him, and I I know exactly why he doesn't go to them, to, to Gab or Parler or whatnot. So the reason he killed the blog, uh, according to both uh, the Washington Post and uh, the New York Times, is that he's super pissed at how little traction he's getting, how, how little visitor. He thinks the numbers mm-hmm. make him look bad. I think he knows he's not going to pull anywhere near the numbers he does on, like, Parler or Gab. It's going to make him look pathetic. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, you can't tell me right now that Parler wouldn't have a field day having Trump sure. on there. Or, or Gab. Gab would look at it like it was fucking Christmas. They're known as the Nazi social network. And now they have, you know, the the just former president on there. Provides mm-hmm. them a lot of credibility. Both those places would kill to have Trump on there. But he hasn't gone. Every yeah. other right wing, you know, member with an audience has gone to those platforms. Trump hasn't touched them because they don't. They don't have the viewership. He, he can't yeah. get the numbers he can on Twitter or Facebook. Yeah, it's the same reason why he wouldn't say have a show on OAN. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the funny thing about this is, I forget where I was reading this, but. Um, some news pundit type was observing that like part of the problem was that he really can't make content and yet he's too egotistical to like have other people like he could have had guest writers and bloggers and other public officials you know there could have been like a steady stream of new content but he was determined that it would just be him and he can't really write you can vomit off 155 characters like Twitter, you know, <laughs> right? And that's about right. the limit of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, his plan, if he's not reinstated in August, I guess, is to run for the House of Representatives and get himself appointed Speaker. Right, uh, Dan, you had flagged that to our attention, so why don't you tell us some more about it? Oh, yeah, this was something that uh, I saw that uh, what uh, Chris posted in the Cascadian Views group. But, yeah, I guess uh, running for Congress, which, uh, as we noted, is uh, not – wouldn't be a first for a former president. This was an August tradition established by uh, John Quincy Adams in the uh, 1800s. Uh, not quite so August because uh, I guess the grand plan here would be to uh, get elected uh, and then get elected Speaker of the House and then start an impeachment inquiry of Biden and then presumably uh, Harris as well so that he could become uh, president by impeaching them both. I mean, never mind that you'd have to convict them both and as we have seen, you need 67 votes. Mm. <laughs> you also you need can't. to stop Harris from appointing a new vice president after you impeach Biden. 
Right. Uh, well, I guess you'd have to do it really fast because, well, you'd have to confirm a vice president. And uh -huh. if you have sufficient votes to convict Biden, I guess you wouldn't confirm a vice president. So, <laughs> but it's just, it's so ridiculous. Not it really saying is. it out loud. It's just the most wily coyote nonsense. Uh, you've uh, also got to think about where he's going to run. Uh, yeah. Mar-a-Lago is not in a Republican-friendly district. Redistricting right. is coming up, so I could redraw it. Uh, there's also the fact that you, you don't that. Yeah. actually have to be <laughs> in the district you're running for. Right. The Constitution just requires you to live in the state, not in the district. Yeah. So he could throw I his, didn't his know head. That. Yes. Yep. Uh, well, yeah, people knocked John Ossoff back in uh, 2017 because he didn't live in the Georgia 6th, technically. Yeah, his was, girlfriend yeah. went to school there and he lived like across the street in exactly. the, the neighboring yeah. district. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the thing that I was seeing posted around online is that he may try to challenge Gates. Um, that came from the Huffington Post, who quoted an unnamed source saying that they were looking into Gates' district as a possibility and how strong the president would be uh, in a primary challenge. So, yeah. I, I'm not entirely unconvinced Gates wouldn't just step aside, but uh, if he chose not to, we were talking about this a little bit in the pre-show, Gates actually outran Trump in that district by, yeah. by a fair bit. I wonder if there are any rhinos in Florida that he could run against. Jeez, I'm looking off, looking down the roster here. Hmm. I think they're pretty nearly extinct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're mostly, uh, I'm sure they're mostly pretty much all MAGA down the line. And if they are, if there are any rhinos, they've got to be in districts where, you know, conceivably a Republican could lose. So that would be a bad idea. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have awesome. a legal question for my friend Matt Gates. Um, is <laughs> what what is the status of being able to run for office if you are in prison? Say, I, I, you can you do can, it, right? You can absolutely you don't, do there's it. anything constitutionally that says you can't do it. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, didn't I'm trying to remember. Uh, fella, was it traffic camp? Didn't he? run for Congress from prison after he was convicted. Was he running uh, from prison? I know I know it. he Eugene after ran for, uh, for president from jail like four times. I remember that yeah. from high school social studies. <laughs> well, I mean Yeah, yeah. I feel like well and also hmm, Florida might also be draconian enough they might try to bar people from running for office or something for if they get convicted of a felony. I don't know. I don't believe you're actually allowed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I can't cite, like, case law to you because I don't remember, but I remember this being, like, a thing in my U.S. law class and about how it's like a, a bulwark against tyranny because the first thing that a dictator does is jail all their political opponents. Right. Well, you know, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Ron DeSantis is the governor. They can come up with some crazy stuff. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, uh, hmm. Yeah, I, none of these guys jump out at me as being particularly rhino-y. 
So, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe it will be Gates. Mm. Is there uh, anything else that the the Cooters done this week? <laughs> um, well, we mentioned that he's speaking at the North Carolina State GOP. He's the keynote yeah. convention. He's have holding yeah. rallies again. Let's uh, let's check Twitter to see if he said anything nuts yet. Yeah. Uh, anything in trending, Mr. Trump is trending. North Carolina is trending. Oh, this can't be good news. Apparently, they had somebody on stage from the Surrey County GOP, which managed to ban Coca-Cola machines from all government uh, buildings because they're a leftist, uh, leftist corporation. I guess it's too early for it to be hurricane season for them to, like, abandon people in some kind of natural disaster. But maybe that'll be in a couple months. He's telling them that we're going to take back the White House, wink, wink, sooner than you think. In a, oh, uh, a message geez. broadcast just prior to the convention. Fun. All, All right. right. So, uh, well, we got some bad news about the infrastructure bill, and that means people are starting to get pissed at uh, Mansion and Cinema. Mm-hmm. Want to tell us about that? Well, yeah, it's uh, cinema. Well, cinema really is uh, going out of her way to uh, make the rest of the party really pissed. Uh, she went on a tour of the border with uh, John Cornyn and basically made a big pie-in to the filibuster and how important it was to be maintained, talked about its, quote, history and its importance to the Senate and basically said that, you know, it's not important to change the filibuster. It was important to, quote, change our behavior and how we work in the Senate, basically putting all the onus on Democrats to change what they do and basically saying that, you know, basically they're going to have to change the bill in order to get it passed and, you know, go on their hands and knees to the Republicans to get it done. Uh, and yeah, Manchin also, as indicated, no way, no how is he going to be doing it, you know, through, um, reconciliation. He was still going to be reaching out to Republicans, trying to find 10 Republicans to pass, uh, infrastructure somehow. So in response to that, uh, Biden himself, actually, Mr., uh, you know, let's all get along, you know, we're Americans, we're all Americans, we can, we can get along, uh, basically came out and came out swinging, you know, said, look, there's these two Democrats who are holding everything <laughs> up in a speech, you know, <laughs> Mr. Conciliation said, look, it's these two <laughs> that are keeping everything from getting done. Uh, so, yeah, leadership is getting pissed and they're making it clear that uh, they have had enough. I'm not really sure what they're going to do about it. 
because there's really nothing they can do. I mean, they can maybe they can primary cinema. Uh, there's nothing they can do to Mansion. They've got nothing they can do to him. But they have no, no, no ammunition against him whatsoever. Yeah, you can't primary him. You can't like hold funds against him. You you threaten him. It just makes him more popular. I was gonna say, so, you know, you kick him out of the party. It probably helps him. Yeah, or I mean, I don't know if it. You kick him out of the party, then he has to run in a Republican primary, which he'd lose. He's not going to so, run in a Republican primary. He almost gave up his Senate seat to come yeah. back and run for governor of West Virginia again just because he was so pissed that the guy who replaced him as a Democrat switched parties to Republican. Exactly. <laughs> like, so, I mean, we, he may not be the most liberal guy in the world, but he yeah. is definitely a Democrat. Yeah. There, there's nothing he loves more, though, than when Democrats attack him because yeah. it makes him more popular in West Virginia. So it's great. It, it, it's this, you know, the what he loves best is, yeah, getting attacked. You know, when, when AOC tweets out pictures of herself glaring at him, you know, he probably retweets it and says, hey, this is awesome. Look at me. <laughs> That's right. She thinks I'm a jerk. You know, this is great. This is so cool. You know, so he loves it. Uh, you know, that that probably rockets him in popularity. Uh, so, yeah, there's nothing they can do against him. They can certainly primary cinema. And at this point, they probably will. Um, but... Yeah. Um, I'm not so sure we have that many people in Arizona could replace Sinema, though. Like, yeah. Arizona, it's not West Virginia, but it's also not, you know, like a progressive stronghold. You yeah. know, Raul Grivalda is not going to win statewide no. in, in Arizona. Not, no. That's just no. not happening. I mean, but Gallego, maybe. Uh, there's, uh, let's see here. Who else could you run? Um, you could find somebody to run it. You know, there's there, there's at least a bit of a bench. Um, there there are candidates. You've got shoot whoever's in her her old seat. I'm sure could probably run against her. You've do got, we do you've we got, think a real Democrat could win statewide in in Arizona? Like a deep blue liberal? No. Not not necessarily a progressive. Not somebody who's you know. A socialist, a democratic socialist, or something, but a, a true blue Democrat, somebody who's unapologetically uh, a Democrat. Mark Kelly Democrat. did, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> do we I have mean, an, Do we have another votes, one of those? He votes loyally. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think, yeah. I mean, another one. I don't know. <laughs> because if one we don't win, have, one can win statewide. I don't know. That's going to be the hard thing. If we don't have, uh, a, you know, a, another Captain Kelly or something up our sleeve, I. I don't necessarily know if I'm opposed to the idea of seeing if uh, Cindy McCain would run for that. I, I'd rather have a real Democrat in that seat, but to be honest, just trolling fucking Trump by letting her run as, you know, a conservative, I, I yeah. might be okay with. <laughs> At least we'd know what we're getting, unlike Sinema. Yeah. I mean, something. I mean, because, yeah, she's all over the map, and it doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm Honestly, I'm worried that she might lose a general election because she's pissed off enough Democrats that they might not show up to vote for her in a general election in 2024. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been just this bizarre political game, unlike Manchin, where at least he's figured out, you know, what West Virginia likes, and it's, you know, you know hating Democrats, so he's, he's figured it out. Yeah, but he <laughs> I also— I don't know what the hell she's doing. 
<laughs> he also sells democratic policies pretty well. Yeah. Like listening to him talk about voting rights or the Affordable Care Act or something, he gets through to those people. He really does. Yeah. Like he he gets through the partisan cloud around everything and you know, tells them what he's for and what he's not and you know, fuck the labels. Here's what we're doing for you and and this is right. all of us helping each other together. Sunima is just fuck you. <laughs> Right, in a lot well, of this. literally, you know, yeah. literally. Yeah. What's up on our Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand it. It's just weird. Yeah, it's a strange, strange political approach. She's not up for six years though. Uh, well, Kelly's the one that's up in next. two. Yeah. yeah, Kelly's up next year. Yeah, he's going to be in for a hell of a fight. But yeah, I mean, that's the even weirder thing about it to me is that if you were expecting anybody to moderate. Because of that kind of like, it's a pretty purple state. I need to get reelected. It would be him. Kelly's he already away from having to worry about that. He does. He runs moderate, but yeah. he doesn't like thumb his nose at the party. And oh, yeah, uh, no, not at all. But I'm I'm just saying Kelly doesn't need to moderate. He's already a blue dog. He got elected yeah. as a blue dog. You yeah. know, his claim to fame after you know going to fucking space is the gun control stuff but outside of that one issue he is not a fire breather yeah he's not throwing progressive bombs at people or anything like that right well i mean there's there's a line you can be relatively loyal without actively sabotaging the party and i think most people would say that cinema has gone over it and that's probably where her problem is come in. Mm -hmm. There's a pretty big conspiracy theory floating around uh, progressive spaces on the online left that uh, Sinema is, is possibly a Republican plant, and they're pretty convinced about it. Well, that seems kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's definitely on a weird political journey. <laughs> I mean, remember, she's gone from Green Party activist to whatever the hell she is now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, that that I, I wouldn't say Republican plant, but yeah, she's definitely in a very weird, weird space. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have anything more on that, Chris, or do you want to move on to our local stuff? Uh, no, I don't think I have anything to say about that. All right. I really wish that we'd won Iowa or Maine or North Carolina or more than one of them. And the fact God that we then went Cunningham so much. Yeah. Goddamn Maine. So Cunningham just makes me pissed at Cunningham. Like, he's an asshole. Maine hurts my heart because I really yeah. wanted that seat. Uh, and, and everybody there did right. Like, the, there wasn't the whole Cal Cunningham thing. It's just Sarah Gideon yeah. couldn't close it in the end and was possibly hurt by the ranked choice voting, which is ironic considering it's Democrats really pushed it. Right, right. And Maine voters who, for some reason, get bamboozled by Susan Collins every six years. Every six years, they fall for it. Well, you know what uh, you're going to fall for? What am I going to fall for? You're going to fall for the vaccine trap because you want that million dollars, don't you? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> oh. 
Uh, I did see Washington is getting into the vaccination lottery game. It doesn't yep. seem nearly as complicated as Oregon's is, but uh, you're you're in the pool to win, right, Dan? Oh yeah, yeah. I've got my five G. I'm all set. <laughs> Uh, down here, we, I mentioned the lottery a couple of weeks ago and how weirdly complicated it is because we're opening it to under 18s who can't win real money and stuff. And then we're doing by county, but not adjusting for population. And it, it, it's just a clusterfuck. But we are, despite all that, getting pretty close to hitting our target of 70% vaccination rate among eligible Oregonians. And when that happens, uh, Pretty much everything stops in the state. Uh, they're not going to have any COVID restrictions above and beyond the federal guidelines, which are mask required in public transit, planes, buses, airports, that sort of thing, and healthcare settings like uh, old folks' homes and hospitals and the like. Uh, no more business mask requirements, no more social distancing requirements. Uh, it's a little bit weird for me because Multnomah County is like 70 60% of Oregon's population, like the Portland metro is. Uh, so really, it's us being fully vaccinated and nobody out in eastern Oregon really doing shit. So, hmm. yeah, their vaccination rates are still at like, you know, 20, 30% in a lot of these mm. eastern counties. But they've only got like 20,000 people, so they don't count towards like the statewide vaccination uh, rate. At least not compared to Portland's yeah. 2.5 million people. But at least the population density is pretty low, so you got less concerned about bumping into people. So, yeah. The pandemic is really still ongoing among the unvaccinated. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Last month, Oregon lost 300 and some odd uh, people to, to COVID. We had 300 deaths. Uh, only one of those was from somebody who had gotten at least one of their vaccination shots. So... <laughs> Well over 99% of the deaths were the unvaccinated. One right. out of like 385 shit, I think, yeah. was, was a vaccinated individual. So I, I really feel like I can step out of my shell, and I'm really looking forward to the end of these restrictions, but it also makes me feel like we're just giving a license to be stupid to the people who aren't vaccinated. Because right now, businesses, if they want you to go maskless, if they want you to be able to go maskless inside, have to verify your vaccination. They don't have to have the original. You can show them a photocopy or a picture. The state said that's okay, but they have to check your vaccination. Which is just weird to me. I, I don't necessarily like the idea of private corporations getting access to that information, but I also understand it. And it helps keep everybody safe. If you've got people who aren't vaccinated, then, you know, mask up and all that and if they're vaccinated it's okay but now you know everything will just be thrown open it's makes me feel like we need to save people from themselves because they're the idiots at this point and that also trips that you know latent libertarian bone i still have in me where well if they want to be stupid then they can be stupid and it's not my fault i'm vaccinated on the other hand then you have people with like immune diseases and shit who can't get the vaccination you have to protect them and it, it's a big clusterfuck of emotions for me i don't really know how i feel about it i am happy that you know we're getting to the light at the end of the tunnel i just i worry we're being slightly premature on it that's yeah kind of how it's been through a lot of this 
Hmm. How are you guys doing over there in uh, in Vermont, Chris? Are you you guys well on your way to herd immunity? Well, it's interesting. It's kind of um, our fully vaccinated rate is going up, but our at least one dose rate is kind of plateauing. So what's really happening is everybody who was going to get it got it and is catching up with their second dose. But it's it's kind of plateauing around 70%. That uh, that doesn't surprise me, considering the numbers that we're seeing just in surveys of Democrats and Republicans, and yeah. how many people intend to get the vaccination and all that. You know, like thirty percent saying no in Vermont, a state with a fairly high, you know, population of Republicans, even if they're New England Republicans. It, it does jive with that data. Uh, you were also mentioning Budweiser's giving away some beers if you get vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, well, so, so Biden last week was pushing the um, target of getting the U.S. to 70% by, it was July 4th? Mm-hmm. Let's say it was July 4th. Anyway, 70% by a certain point in time. And um, Budweiser said that if we hit that target, they will give people a free beer. Is it any of the beers that Budweiser owns? <laughs> I, I haven't looked into the fine details on that. I don't know. so. I mean, they make Blue Moon. That's not a half bad beer. I could definitely get yeah. back with that as a reward for getting my shots. Sure. Uh, you guys doing a lottery in Vermont? No, we get nothing. You get nothing. We, we, there We're was... too eager to get those shots. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, there was like creamy coupons. That was <laughs> that was what our incentive was. But... What is creamy? You're gonna have to fill me in on that. Creamy is just a uh, a local variant of like soft serve ice cream, but often right. with maple flavors. Oh, so it's like Canadian soft serve ice cream. Yeah. This is completely unrelated, but the maple cream cookies at Trader Joe's are actually some of the greatest cookies I've ever had. You guys should definitely check them out. Um, I think that's it for the local stuff, unless there's something up in Washington you want to talk about, Dan? I can't think of anything again. Oh, actually, I'm, I'm seeing something here. Let's come over the line. Uh, so just today, a couple hours ago, a King County judge tossed out a lawsuit against Seattle's new tax on high-income workers at big businesses, uh, ruling that it's not actually an income tax, and it's within the city's authority to tax businesses. Well, hey, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm sure that will, uh, that will be appealed, but it is there, Okay, one step of the way through, yeah. Yeah. I know the... uh, Keeping it on the books. This is kind of the rejiggered version of their employee tax that they had uh, thought about a few years ago. They pared it down from just a headcount on businesses uh, per employee to only a headcount of high earners, and they're exempting businesses who employ people under a certain amount, which I get, but also seems like a perverse incentive. (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs> just 
I, I don't know how impactful it will be in like guiding business decisions, but in general, I know businesses want to make more money. So if they avoid taxes by paying somebody less, it seems to me like you would have them pay more people less per person than hire one person at higher salary. Mm. I'm not an economist, though. E block. I'm not an economist, though, so I don't know how those incentives play out at a macro level. Uh, I wish you guys could just do a fucking income tax. I really do. It would make things yeah. so much simpler. If Seattle were just able to like slap a 30% tax on corporate profits after, I don't know, 50 million or something, and then an income tax on anybody making more than $150,000 a year or something like that. Or for that matter, the state legislature. Yeah. It would simplify yeah. so much shit instead of these weird games that Seattle has to go through just to, to pass some sort of tax bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Every yeah. <laughs> well, we're also going to be going through that with, uh, I'm sure, uh, several rounds of lawsuits with the uh, capital gains tax for over the course of this uh, coming year. So, yep, yep, everything has got to be tested. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, anything last minute you guys want to mention? All right. Sounds like we're good then. See you guys right. next week. Have a good one. All right. See you then.